Scotty, is, is, is the excitement building? John, I have never been so excited. If that's because you know that I'm going to be arriving on your side of the pond, I hope you've organized like the, you know, the, the Tetbury Art Collective to, to give me a parade of tractors or something, synchronized tractor dancing or something like that. Well, I was in a local uh, council authority meeting the other night where there was the discussion of whether there was enough budget to buy flags for things. So I, I, I you know, I thought, you know, John's coming. We need to buy new flags for the town. <laughs> American flags, hopefully. Oh, oh yes, I, I could really see uh, East Bollockshire flying the stars and stripes high and proud. <laughs> of course. Oh dear, there we are, John. The the country is bracing itself for your arrival. <laughs> yeah, where they're planning on shutting doors and, 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 and saying we don't want your kind here. Extra people on it, the border control, everything. No, no, I've actually applied money. I, I, I'm going to be interviewed at the border to be able to have the kind of equivalent of TSA pre-clearance. I, I, I mean, I have global entry for the US, and if you travel mm. regularly, it's uh, it makes such a huge difference. Um, I mean, is a is an international. Um, visitor to the US, if you arrived into SFO, for example, you would normally expect your your time in SFO to be at minimum an hour to get out. And sometimes I've been there as long as two in the um in the queues to get through immigration. Uh you know, your 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 luggage has been going around for hours by the time you get through immigration SFO normally. I think last time I came through SFO having global entry from the time I got off the plane to the time I got on the bar leaving the station. I think it's about twenty minutes. So, big difference. So, Scotty, think back all those years when you were struggling to learn Coco. Do you think you'd ever be able to talk about? It? I mean, this is like devolving into a Monty Python skit. It's like if you were to tell <laughs> tell our kids that, they wouldn't believe you. you. Used to struggle to think. You know, would I be able to get something to compile? And now you're talking about the the you know being whisked through customs because you're such an important person. <laughs> yes, uh, they put the flags out for me as well. <laughs> no. uh, I, I remember, I still remember visibly, <laughs> I still remember the day I learned to talk. Um, I still remember vividly the my very, very first attempt at doing anything in Coco. It was, I think, probably early 2006 mid 2006 uh i think it was xco 2 at the time and for people who'd never used um xcode that old uh, opening xcode in those days it looked more like let's say textmate or bb edit than the modern xcode you really were just presented with a uh, you know almost a blank editor um and obviously i was coming from visual studio which was the uh, the, the land of all the buttons um and uh, this real whole, you know, what is this thing I am presented with? And then having to work out the square brackets, uh, which were a weird thing. And then using the separate interface builder and having to get my head round um, outlets in IB Actions. Uh, it was so foreign to what I've been doing for the, you know, the, the, the previous 10 years. Uh, I mean, I've been using different frameworks in different languages, but they'd all been reasonably similar um ides were very big into code generation back in those days um if you would put a you know put a button on a form in, in some sort of 
either ID, it would generate a whole bunch of code for you as opposed to just understand that in the project and do it again like it does it in zip files. Um, yeah, and I and I have to say, for those first few days, I thought, hmm, can I really be, you know, this is this is just strange. And I did a minute hour about whether I wanted to put the effort into this. I, I mean, obviously now, glad I did. And it never turned out to be as hard as it, it looked it was going to be because, um, you know, things normally answers once you get that that uh, nugget of understanding when something clicks um and, yeah, and it didn't take much i think with objective c it was just you know uh just just once you got used to seeing those square brackets a little bit and just understood that you know what they were uh i think you know message send understanding message sending not method calling just really, for some reason for me that's what it took to understand what the brackets were all about and um yeah and just that sudden revelation of how actions and IB actions and outlets worked suddenly it, it then became a you know pleasurable learning experience but I do remember it yeah when I first saw it back then and uh, yeah there was no documentation I mean that's why I started podcasting because there was the documentation was um, terrible uh, I mean there was no tutorial documentation on writing for Cocoa at all from Apple it was all just references or very little uh, there were about three websites uh, out there at the time. Um, I can't even remember what they were called now. Um, what was the wiki called? It's still oh, going I, now. Yeah. Um, stepwise. No, no, Stepwise else. was, uh, that was there. That was, um, oh, Mark Darren Paul, wasn't it, Stepwise? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, no. No, that was, no, he <laughs> has a different one. Uh, Oh, we're showing our age here, John. Oh, I remember the day, and I can't remember what, what was it when Aunt Jenny did something. Um, yeah, anyway, no, but there I, was no I, documentation, and that's why I started podcasting. Basically, as an undercover way of asking people who did know stuff to teach me stuff. No, well, no, I, I've lured you into this trap because um, I was thinking about something. You, you maybe saw or, or have read the, the the piece by Dominic Wagner. Um, uh, about about his kind of ill love affair with Swift. Uh, the, 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 we'll, we'll link it in the show notes. You know what I'm talking nope, about? No, I haven't read it. In, enlighten me. Well, it's basically a guy who says, you know, Swift. He separates the concept of Swift as a language and its design goals, and and kind of Objective C and 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 the frameworks and the dynamism and the 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 focus on app building. Um, that is there, and it was. It raises an interesting point. So um, I don't know whether I should. I shouldn't. I don't know whether I should read you like two or three lines for it. But the the, the, the gist of it is is that it seems like there's there's a, a different set of goals with Swift because and it, it's kind of interesting because at Alt Conference I did go to this talk uh, which was great. It was called you know Swift for Objective C uh, gangsters for well for for Objective C OGs and then in the beginning of the talk she says it's not you know OG means old, you know original gangster which is great and I tweeted snarkily it's like I'm glad it's that and not old goat. But you know, she was basically saying you know I came to to I came to Objective C because of the platform. I wanted to go for the platform. And even though I kind of got over the hump of, of the weirdness of it, you know, building these apps was great, but then came Swift and, and it's so much less verbose and you can get so much more done um, and it's so elegant and it, it gets, rid of, uh, gets rid of lots of cruft. And meanwhile, I was kind of having a, a conversation uh, quickly with, with Marcus Zara um, and, and I was asking him, you know, kind of, you know, is he going to rewrite everything in, in Swift? And uh, he goes, no, I'll write something in Swift, you know, uh, when, when Apple does their frameworks in Swift. And then this article came out. 
And there's something I think there's there there. I wanted to talk about that a little bit because here I'm kind of a, a bit out of my depth. I understand that that you know Apple has all these frameworks. They do great things. You know, you can argue about any one particular one, but you have to admit that there's a certain cohesion to the frameworks, and they they and it's not just that that they built up over a long amount of time. There's something I think about about the language, and the integration, the the, the totality of it that makes building apps really uh, it's still I, I say a pleasure, and and then there's Swift and Swift. You know, my experience of it is that I I I it it lights up my brain in many ways. It, it can be infuriating in many ways as well. And and one of the points that was made in, in this this uh, blog post, he says, like, you know, it's addressing the needs of the compiler, right? And and then there's that, that kind of a big difference between Objective-C and, and Swift. Swift wants to say, let's make it error-proof and, you know, we'll, we'll make it run as fast as possible. And Objective-C is like, we want to enable anything up until the last moment. There's that kind of fundamental difference between the two. And it's... And, if you want the type of dynamism that 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 exists in in the entire kind of infrastructure of of the the Apple runtime environment and development environment, that the question I still have in the back of my mind is, when is Apple going to rewrite everything in Swift, and are they going to, or is Objective C just going to become kind of you know, <laughs> for lack of a, of a of a better description, kind of the necessary assembler? Um. Apple will start writing things in Swift. I think. I mean, the reason the frameworks—yeah, this would be my guess anyway. The reason the frameworks are not Swift at the moment is obviously you cannot do frameworks until they get the ABI stability stuff sorted out, which has been mm. announced for Swift Five. They, they, you know, they cannot have the system frameworks not being compilable against because you're using this version of the language or that version of the of the language. Yeah, they need them just to work. You can't have them. You know, they, they just if they once they're going to start shipping them on the OS, they need to work. Um, are they going to go back and rewrite all the frameworks in in Swift? I doubt it. Apple don't go back and rewrite stuff that way. I don't. I don't think. But uh, you, I think we are going to see um, some new frameworks coming out in Swift. Does that mean they won't work in Objective C? No, I'm pretty sure they will. Um, but I think what you we will find is maybe some of the design paradigms are a little bit different going the other way. Um, it right now when you're using the frameworks in Swift, it's obvious you're using an Objective C based framework just based on the way some of the things uh, work and, and, and so, you know, some of the pain of Swift over the last few years has been as they have um, Swiftified the interface to Coco, um, which means they keep changing the the calls to make them more Swift-like. Um, whereas back in when Swift first came out, it really was just like a, um, yeah, just this really raw, rough and ready trying to use Objective-C from Swift type of thing. And now the, the framework calls do look feel more like Swift. Um, I think the point is you won't necessarily know if a framework's written in Swift or Objective-C going forward when using Swift. Um, maybe you will start realizing a framework has been written in Swift and not Objective-C if you're using Objective-C. Maybe it will become, you know, the, the cruft will start hitting the other side as opposed to that way around, I don't know. Um, I think in... in uh, Outside of the frameworks, uh, the apps that shipped and everything, I think, have been using Swift for a long time. I mean, Xcode, Xcode development has been in Swift for a long, long time now. Um, you know, I mean, they didn't go and get rid of all the Objective C code, but you know, new stuff is all being written in Swift in Xcode, um, and that's that's true. I think probably across the board in all of Apple's apps um, in, in this going forward. So, uh, I think. 
Apple will be using Swift as much as they can um, when they can, but that's not going to be before Swift 5. And when we see Swift 5, um, I guess, yeah, it, it may not be till Swift 6 or Swift 7 because of certain other things they need, but Swift 5 will be the earliest. So that's, um, I think they've announced Swift 5 will be early next year. So maybe. Um, it was interesting to see, wasn't one of the uh, new developer features to do with importing some stuff for machine learning, I can't remember the exact thing, um, declared Swift only at this WWDC. So the first thing that you have to do in Swift if you want to use. Um, so yeah, we'll see. So no, I, my, my question is not, is is Apple, are they gonna do it? I mean, of course they are. I, the, the, the question was more, is there, if Cocoa were to be written from the ground up in Swift based on what Swift is like in a language, do you, do you think things would be radically different? Do you think the APIs, other than the, the Swifty nature of, of the, 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 the syntax, would there be things that were wild, wildly different? That is a hard question. I think the short answer is no, because I think... Um, Apple are fairly sold on the act of delegation, um, which is one of the strongest points of um, the Cocoa design is is delegation uh, as opposed to doing inheritance. Um, I think using closures for for things or blocks as they are in, in Objective-C um, is a big part. Um I think the design principles behind Cocoa are still really very solid. And um, as newer frameworks have come out of Apple, they've not gone necessarily away from those um, the, the, those principles. So, I mean, again, if you write a new a 20-year-old framework from scratch, I'm sure things change. Are they going to replace delegation and closure-based stuff? Um, yeah, I think we maybe see a bit more uniformity over things. I, but no, I think we would get stuff that's fairly similar. Unless, of course, something that, that, that sort of the Cocoa frameworks... The world is more asynchronous world these days than it used to be. And um, you know, something that I think would be good in Cocoa is to see some sort of promises, futures framework. Uh, so you don't have to go around using third-party ones or writing your own. Um, so it would be interesting to see if we got Cocoa from scratch, whether... Um, uh, we would have some sort of promises and futures based stuff for anything that was asynchronous as opposed to uh, callback handlers or whatever else. But, you know, um, that's not necessarily because they, you know, it's because promises and futures are a more modern approach to some of this stuff. Well, interesting. I, I just wanted to ask that question. It's, it's, it's fun to, to think about it a little bit. And I'm glad that you had that little trip down uh, uh, memory lane because bunches of people who who uh learned that <laughs> that I do this podcast with you uh, you know I had to then tell the story about how how it came to be so all right yeah so um how was uh you did your couple of days at altconf um and uh, in the labs how did it all work out for you oh let's see do we not talk since then yeah so the labs again uh uh I got one answer which was they were both not kind of like the oh great now my problems are completely solved one was about sharing. I brought it up, and, and the shorter answer of it was is that you know sharing is is going to be even more locked down than it is right now. And that you know you have the share sheet, 
and it, it's a separate process for a reason. And and it was it was kind of very very well and kind of openly explained by by the engineer of the lab. And I, I totally get it. It's that they've seen such levels of abuse uh, with 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 truly bad actors, people that would write apps that would sit there and test hundreds of, of URLs to see what apps are installed on 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 your device, or using the the sharing capabilities to to figure that out as well. And then they use that to build profiles, and then they they send that up. And so, you know, the, the, the design goal that I had, which was to be able to say, I want a sharing experience where we pare down the options to the ones that are most likely in a given context. And, and that will vary from app to app, but we're very clear at Netflix about, about what we want it to be. And then, you know, kind of defer the, the, the share sheet as it is now, which, which is very, very good for certain types of people who want lots and lots of different options. And, and the share sheet does kind of learn what your options are. But at any given time, most people don't want to, you know, take a, a, a you know, a, take one of the very many options from a sharing context, which could be an image, a URL, some piece of video, whatever, and then have the option to turn that into a watch face or to, you know, send it by airdrop or, you know, all these different options, which, which add friction. And so, so for, for security reasons, Apple has said, no, this is the way that we're going to do it. But he, he turned it around. He says, well, you know, if you can file a radar and say, this is what you, you want to be able to do, and, and give the, the kind of business and, and user experience reasons for it, then the onus is back on us, which makes sense. Now, it, it's not an entirely satisfying answer because, you know, when's it going to come? You know, any options that they might have, is it going to be in, in iOS 12? It's hard to imagine that. So now you're looking at, at one more version. But at least it kind of, you have the option to, I, I, I genuinely felt heard, which was nice. And it's it's kind of pro tip to, to the listeners and stuff that, you know, these type of communication skills and listening to their concerns and then sharing your concerns that I can imagine another way that the conversation could have gone. You could have kind of said your API sucks. No wonder nobody wants to use it. And there are all these techniques that are being, that people are running around. And even if you shut them down, people will find other ways because people want to do it. And, you know, it, it, it doesn't help to take that kind of antagonistic approach to listen to, to what they tell you, because they will oftentimes say the things that everybody's heard, like file a radar and when the one thing he says, like, you file a radar, and he pointed to this gentleman and said, this, this, this person is responsible for kind of culling the, the feedback, because you have to imagine at Apple, you know, they, at some point after they get over their exhaustion, they sit down and say, you know, what, what are the types of themes that you've heard? So, you know, from the, the Maya Angelou kind of school of, you know, they'll remember how you made them feel, make them feel like you're, you're, you're their partner. So that was the kind of conclusion with sharing. Okay, so just let me pick up on that before you go on to another thing. I mean, yeah, we do need to file radars. Um, and the fact that they seem to disappear is, you know, um, sometimes true. In fact, probably very often true. But, you know, just take a step back a minute and think about the development process for iOS. That, you know, we've just been given the first look at iOS 12. But iOS 12 doesn't actually ship until um, September. So we're guessing September because it always is September. So... You know, they've got another three months of work on iOS 12. So anything that's been announced so far, plus maybe some new odd new features are going to hit because of something in the new phone or the new iPad or whatever comes out in September. You know, that's that's still being worked on. So nothing, uh, you know, nothing that anyone suggests today is even going to get thought about till September at the earliest. Okay, or in the planning principles, and then come September. You know, uh, you know, they have to choose what they're going to do for iOS 13. And then the lockdown process for, you know, what's going to go into iOS 13 and 
you know, how, how ready it's going to be. I mean, imagine, I'm, I'm guessing here, I have no inside knowledge. You know, I'm, I'm guessing those decisions probably have to start being made about February time, ready, ready for the, you know, for the for WDC so they can talk about the stuff. You know, you know is, is this something, I'm not saying every final decision is made, but the big picture decisions, which really means that, you know, potentially the decision to work on new stuff and to try that new stuff and see if that new stuff fits in and uh, is this something we want in operating system, you probably get about four to six months a year tops going on at Apple. Um, so, you know, realistically, if you file a new a new idea or, or something that's a good idea, um, you, know, you can't necessarily expect it to make it straight into the next time they develop. So, you know, it, it's, it's not unreasonable to even if they love that idea for you have to wait two releases to see it um it's the way people should be thinking even if apple love my idea you know if i file a radar today about this idea based on what i've seen from ios 12 i'm probably even if they're jumping up and down with joy unlikely to see it before ios 14 that would be the way i would handle it anyway agreed well and i think the the one last thing i was going to say is that People always think that, you know, that radar is just for, for filing a bug report. This thing doesn't do that. But, you know, a suggestion is equally important, and they, they let you do attachments. So I attached to, these are the mocks. This is what we want to do. This is, this is what we want to do for our users. And my language was very much about saying, you know, this is, we can't do this now, and we really need to, and it's important. And I think we also kind of had the advantage, two advantages. You know, yes, it's true that that kind of Netflix is is a is is a pretty important app. But I think the other thing too, it being a cross-platform app, we can we can say we know the numbers, and this is the behavior we're seeing. And there's no reason to think that you know that the behavior for a mobile device where the the user experience is pretty much identical, uh, that we can see different different outcomes. You know, based on 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 kind of API differences and and, and availabilities, it, it it helps to kind of put that that data point out there as well. Yeah, I mean, because I'm I'm guessing you know Apple don't have that sort of data, uh, whereas you know companies like Netflix who have you know millions and millions and millions of users who are you know, whatever their distribution is across Android and iOS and um, any other platform, you know. You, you, and as you said, because your user experience is pretty much the same on all devices, I, I guess things where the users use it differently because of the platform stand out really a mile to people like yourselves. Yeah. So that was one thing. The other thing uh, had to do with with making the transition from UI elements whose layers are animated. And I, I, I kind of have to speak vaguely in this because I have to. Uh, but this is a, a a view that has to be able to handle rotation. It's a very very complicated view. I mean, yeah. and and there's a complex dance of animation that that takes place. And in some cases, I mean, I think this is pretty common knowledge. Is that you know, to to, to do basic animation, you can just use the the UI view, you know, animate with you know whatever animation block uh, mechanism. Um, and you're operating just on the view itself and you're, you're animating constraints. But sometimes, if, especially if you need to group things together, then you have to drop down to layers. And once you start doing that, you can run into problems because the animations will, will take place and they, you may need to pause them, you may need to stop them in, 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 at a point. There may be a rotation that takes place. I mean, because the device can rotate at any time, it becomes pretty complicated. 
And I wouldn't want to handle a layout without auto layout. I just, I wouldn't. It would be just too impossible to do. I mean, I shouldn't say that. It would just be too incredibly tedious to do it. But there, the kind of engineer heard my problem. It's like, well, you know, here you can you can see when the animation stopped, there's there's a mismatch between where the, the layers end up and where the constraint may operate. And so he says, well, why can't you just, you know, animate the constraints? It's like, well, because I can't do those things. I can't. You can't you can't do all the types of animations uh, with constraints, and so he kind of said, "I feel your pain. Here's here's a, a trick that you know. You don't forget that you can ask for a layers model or its pre presentation layer, so you can know exactly where it is, even if it's in, in mid flight. And based on that, you can update your constraint. You know when when the animation stops, uh, and then you kind of." remove the animation from the animation from the layer but then immediately set the constraint on the view in in the right place and it should be work it should work out you'll have to finesse it but that was kind of it was an interesting answer and it's very truthful and so like sometimes you go to the labs and 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 you're kind of you know the answer you get is don't beat your head against the wall kind of you have to look at the problem in, in a different way so in in that respect it was it was satisfying i did another thing that i got to do which was it was kind of funny they they had the the the, the whole layout and look and feel at the labs was was like going into a genius bar like where they had long lines and they had a you know concierge and there's kirby you might remember kirby turner because he showed up at ns conference a couple times he's at apple now yeah, i remember kirby well it's very nice yeah, it's nice to see him. He was like, and and, and you know, Patrick Rolson was there. So it, it's it's nice to see you know friendly faces and stuff like that. Um, it helps. Uh, and uh, so they they moved the line along. On the day I happened to have gone, it was a huge line for collection view. It was like collection view, and then the rest were for kind of general UI kit uh, questions, which encompasses everything. And so they were very good at kind of getting you to the the people you needed to. And then they had the stations where they had whiteboards and but you know, really no space, unlike all the labs in the past where they would have lots of round tables and power, you know, strips and, and wired Ethernet connections. And so a lot of times, you know, even if you knew that you were going to be there for a long time, you could kind of make yourself comfortable and do your work. Well, that was all gone. There was like kind of no place to, to really kind of set up your laptop. There, there was whiteboard space. Um, so it was good if, if, if you could kind of get the answer you need mostly by kind of talking it out or, or whiteboarding it. But then they had uh, an accessibility lab, and uh, so I just kind of you know handed it over again, saying, "Hey, you know, we I, I came in last year, learned a lot, you know, corrected a bunch of mistakes. Can you have another look?" And I'm like nervous there, and it's like they uncovered some things. None of them were, were huge thing, which was nice, um, but it was nice to be able to do it. But it was kind of funny because they're they're trying to do voiceover, uh, you know, testing on it. And the, the the there was the lab was so noisy. <laughs> it's kind of, I mean, the floor was so noisy because there's so many people and so many conversations. It was almost impossible for them to do. And I, I seem to remember that there was music playing. So it's like, if if anyone from Apple is listening to it, it's like the design aesthetic of a, of of an Apple store and a Genius Bar is awesome. But I think that you went a little bit too far on the the, the kind of design aesthetic, uh, and and away from the kind of usability uh, of a lab. Oh, that's that's interesting because, yeah, because last year the labs were definitely just like partitioned off areas with tables and everything still in. So that is a, that's a big change for this year. So, yeah. um, I mean, you, you're one of these you know old guys who's been going to the labs for years, and you know, you remember the days when you could wander into the labs and maybe be the only one down there for the afternoon. Um, 
or, you know, I'm exaggerating, but he was, you know, it was close to that. Yeah. Um, so do you think it is a little bit of just, um, you know, these are, these are good, good experiences still for people who are new and you're just sort of maybe in a little bit of regret of what you've lost? Or do you think the, the experience genuinely has stopped working a little bit because of, I'm not saying not working, working at all, because obviously the genius bar works, but, you know, uh, you know fixing the screen on my iPhone or telling me why so is a bit different to, you know, sitting down for 30 minutes and trying to work out some well, animation I, issues. I, I think it's a completely different experience when I think back. I mean, part of it is just, you know, you become better at what you are. And, and I think that there are fewer and fewer things that, that really kind of throw me for a loop. I mean, I, the, the, any problem kind of, there can be a level of frustration, but you kind of get the sense that you'll, you'll work it out. Years ago, partly because a, a lot of the frameworks were new and, you know, think about collection views. Like, you know, collection view has been around for a long time now. And so how many articles, how, ma how many tutorials, how many people's kind of, you know, people that you know or meet at meetups who kind of help you through those things. And so I think that, that because of the effort that Apple has made in documentation and because of all the, the, the third-party kind of, you know, blogs and hints and trick infrastructure that's out there, I think that it it ends up being, you know, the, the thing that you can get by going and talking to the people that build the frameworks is you can get some insight a little bit about kind of what their design concerns on. So again, think back to what I was saying about, about sharing. It's like things make a lot more sense when you can, can see it from, from Apple's perspective. And then similarly with that question about constraints versus frames is like, you know, it, it, it was funny the, the the guy said, you know, people used to, to, used to happily write code to, to set the frame on things like, yeah, I know I used to write next step software. I, I've been doing this for a while and he kind of laughed. Um, but it was it, the point it was being is, is that just because there's new shiny technology and I, not that auto layout is, is new shiny technology, I mean, on, on the, on the scheme of things, it, it still is, but just because there's a, a new approach for doing things doesn't mean that you can't fall back or find a hybrid or decide that in, in some case, you know, maybe you need to take on more responsibility. So I think in, in that perspective, if you were very, if you had a design oriented problem, if it was more kind of a, a you know, kind of a, an idea problem that could be solved with whiteboarding and well-formed question, then this approach kind of works well. They, could, they were able to see quite a number of people and get it through, and, and because they had very, very good people doing the triage, they could get them to the right people. If you were a new developer and you really need to sit down with somebody and, and, and show them code, it, it, it might have been a very frustrating experience just because you wouldn't be able to kind of get queued up. I mean, the old way of like, all right, the person you want to talk to is at that table, go there, there'll be eight people at the table, get on their queue, and while you're waiting, you'll be up and ready. You'll be able to kind of ha have the thing stopped in the debugger where it needs to be. And then at least somebody who's very, very familiar and, and either wrote the API or have used it a bunch can be able to say, oh, yeah, here's where you're going wrong. So it, it kind of, I think if you're, if, if you're prepared for what they're able to give, you can get something great. If you're not, you might be hosed. And, and I, you know, I, I've heard a lot of frustration from other developers saying, you know, the labs were just not very good this year you know, except for maybe one or two encounters, but then those encounters are so good they, they kind of forget about everything else. So it's, it was definitely different, though. I think that's the important thing, and, and, and I think there's no reason to expect that it's going to be wildly different next year because I think the, the nature of development is changing. Well, I wonder if it's... I mean, because the labs were very, very busy last year. Um, 
and maybe they maybe they had to try this because they decided already last year didn't work um you know for them maybe maybe no one else would maybe maybe for them internally they said look it didn't work last year i i don't know um i did did note in the opening keynote that for the first time this year um you know tim smith tim smith <laughs> who the heck is tim smith <laughs> do you know any tim, tim know. smiths um tim cook <laughs> um he said uh we we're loving welcoming over 6000 developers to san jose now in the past it's always been 5000 developers at wwdc this year he used six that he said 6000 in the opening keynote mm. so you know maybe there's another 500 people 600 people maybe even close to a thousand people there this year and apple thought look it was struggling last year we need to try something different maybe they'll go away now and say nope that didn't work either let's try something else or maybe they'll be the more apple thing and say this is just what we're going to do now i don't know but that's interesting um yeah that, that is interesting because some people would literally buy a dub dub ticket for the labs and if they're saying the labs aren't working those people's dub dub days are probably over yeah and yeah except for the fact if, if if you go there more than once a year and 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 you go there one time maybe you don't know anybody but you know take the time to talk to the people next to you in the line it's kind of amazing to me it's like you know i know that that most you know many software developers are stereotypically kind of you know uh nervous and kind of you know inward focused but it never hurts to just kind of say hey what are you working on hey how's it going you know because you never know what they may have some experience they can share with you or maybe you can help them and you'll you'll see a friendly face next year i mean like one of the guys that i've been seeing in the lab for for so many years um he you know he, he is in dts is a lovely guy um and i kind of showed up one year it was three four five years ago and i just started bringing salted caramels with me or or, or bocce the italian chocolate and like i would go it's like i'd put them in the hand and and you know, it's just a little bit of kindness, but they remember it. They absolutely remember. It's like, oh yeah. It's like, how can I help you? <laughs> so in some countries, yeah. that's called bribery, John. But <laughs> and, and people go to people uh, go to jail yeah, for suppose, that. But but we'll 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 call it kindness here. I think that this is not kind of a kickback of a of a of an oil contract. <laughs> this is just a little bit of human kindness. Yeah, I, 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 if it's the salted caramels, I think you're talking about. Then uh, yeah, I would yeah. I would do anything for you as well. Yeah. Well. well john we've uh talking about it being over there's, there's loads of stuff we haven't talked about we haven't spoken about alt conf um haven't even spoken about anything i've been doing this week at all or xcode 10 or any of that stuff but it's uh we're out of time so we'll have to bring that back next week that means we might even do another episode which is like yeah we're on a we, roll we are on a roll we're like a ham sandwich <laughs> we most definitely are <laughs> there we are so john if people want to ask you questions or just tell you what an amazingly awesome guy you are where should they do that uh, well, you can lie to me on Twitter. Uh, I'm at, on, as Jembe. I'm D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African drum, uh, or on microblog, if you like. And uh, you can get hold of me on Twitter as MacDevNet, or microblog at uh, as Scotty, or you can uh, email us both at feedback at iDeveloper.co. John, it's been uh, fun catching up again. Um, there's still loads, loads to talk about. I've got lots of questions and whatever, so look forward to speaking to you again soon. Everyone, mm. everyone. Can you call one person, everyone? All, how about all the half, the unity of halves? And, it, and to the unity of halves, until next time, you take care.